Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, let's chat about what is happening in the stars above for today and for the weekend. And this is a long weekend if you're here in the USA as we celebrate Memorial Day with a three-day weekend. So that means on Monday, I will not be here on the broadcast with you. Um, I want to just leave space for whatever happens in vacation land. If by chance we go nowhere and do nothing, then maybe I will pop in. But at this point, let's just say that I won't see you until next week sometime. And good morning to everybody who is checking in with us already. JLo, Debbie Tibbetts, Tumiel, Susie. And I know there are others of you. I just don't see what you are saying yet. So if you have something to say this morning, check in with us. Today, we are going to take a look at several different things that are happening. This seems to be a very busy weekend, not only because it's a holiday weekend, but <clears throat> astrologically, there is a lot going on. And the first thing that we have is up today, where we have Venus in a square to Pluto. And then tomorrow, we have Venus moving into Taurus, and then Moon conjunct Uranus, which means the Moon is in Taurus. And we have a change in the human design week as well tomorrow. And then Sunday, 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 Mars conjuncts Jupiter. And we're already feeling that energy, I believe. And then Monday, the new moon. So we have a lot to talk about today. And it has been an interesting week uh, as we have had a series of tragic deaths again by gun violence here in the United States. Sad to say these were elementary school children. My heart just goes out to the parents that have lost children, a couple of teachers as well. My heart's go, heart goes out to their families as well. And it's not that it was that unexpected from an astrological point of view that something big would happen as that particular day, the Mars, uh, the planet Mars was sitting at the very last degree of Pisces. That degree just seems to trigger something in us. <clears throat> I've seen big things happen when planets sit there. I've also seen times where nothing big has happened, but it happens it, uh, back in 2011 when Jupiter was sitting at the 28, 29 degree mark of Pisces that we had the big earthquake in Japan and other times that a planet has come past that 28 degrees of Pisces, 29 degrees of Pisces, it seems to be a turning point of such. And as I was just thinking about, well, why would that be? It represents the end, right? The 29th degree of Pisces is the end. It is the last degree of the zodiac before a whole new beginning is instituted. So 29 degrees Pisces, very last degree. And then the next one is the one that represents something new. So that new one, either that next degree is zero degrees Aries. And that's exactly what Mars was doing. It was moving beyond uh, through the 29th degree. And then the next day it was entering into the sign of Aries, a sign he rules, by the way, a sign that if I had to place a sign or a planet in rulership of guns, it would be Mars. It would be Mars driven, Mars and Pluto likely. Um, or Mars in um, relationship to Pluto in some way. And of course, that did put Mars in a relationship with Pluto because Pluto is sitting at the 28th degree of Capricorn. And uh, that would be an in conjunct with the energy of, of I mean, a, excuse me, a sextile to the energy of Pisces. So it would make it so that things that would happen would be unsuspecting and also happen quickly and be over quickly. So, and even though it took some time for this to unfold, there was this feeling of, you know, not again, right? It's happening again. And why is this, does this keep happening? And then the calls inevitably to curb guns uh, or access to guns in the U.S., especially, you know, for uh, maybe the mentally unstable or doing background checks or for younger people. <clears throat> so it 
it, it sets off an entire conversation that always seems to be cyclical, right? It just keeps coming around. There's never any change. And I think that is the potential for that happening at 29 degrees of Pisces is that now the calls for change might actually bring something about, right? It represented an ending of something and not necessarily an ending of gun violence here in the USA, but an ending of the senselessness of that type of violence. And then maybe even, you know, putting into practice some real solutions, right? I don't know that we can, you know, prevent people who have it in their mind to go out and, and do mayhem um, from doing that all the time, but there has to be something that we can do to start mitigating, uh, chipping away at uh, that the level of those kinds of incidences happening. And yet, you know, politically, you have to have the will in a nation to be able to address that. And there are powerful lobbies that are uh, pro-gun that will keep that going. And I don't necessarily think it's all about gun. I think you have to have a multi-pronged solution. And I did note a, a particularly interesting story in relation to that, where finally the leadership in the Republican caucus and the, 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 the leadership of the Democrat party coming together in some way to address these situations. So maybe it is a harbinger of change Let's hope so, because how many more times can our hearts be broken for parents, for loved ones losing uh, children, children to gun violence? It seems so senseless, doesn't it? Yet I also have to understand, and I have to pass this on to you all, that there is something, <clears throat> there's, there's something more at work here that part of the energies of this particular weekend involving, you know, different planets is about understanding the rightness of what is unfolding, having trust and surrendering to um, that there's got to be a higher power at work here, right? That there's some higher spiritual force that is at work. We might not be able to see that. We can certainly not understand it. I don't understand why children have to die, but we have to trust that this is leading somewhere, right? That this is advancing our evolution in some way. We, I, I honestly can't tell you what that is. I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could. The last degree of Pisces should have been about our compassion, about our joy in, in being spirited beings, right? In being a divine uh, embodiment of, of uh, God energy, source energy. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes I even lose sight of what that might be. That is where the trust and the surrender to everything comes in, right? We don't always see that bigger picture, but what we can do, what we can do is use our own um, influence our own uh, connections to people to uplift the light, right? To uplift the light and to keep love and unconditional love flowing, even in the face of such crazy craziness. So we have, we, we're not powerless in this. And um, yet, I mean, we are still humans, right? And we experience that loss, that pain. So now we get an opportunity to move on. And as we look at the weekend ahead, we have Venus moving into Taurus as well. That will soothe some things that will soothe our hearts maybe, or our senses in some way. Some of you might be feeling very, very on edge. Some of you might be feeling very raw or emotional, and that would be not unexpected in the face of the energies that we are looking at right now. And part of that is about our ability to learn what to do about emotions, right? How do we deal with emotional energy? And in, in emotional energy, the one thing that we know for sure is that reaction is the problem. It's not the solution. Response is the solution. And we have a lot of learning left to do about emotional response versus emotional reaction. And we're getting there. 
but it's a process, right? There are 7 billion some people on this planet that are um, in some ways or shapes responding and others, most of the others reacting to the energies that, that come up. So again, you know, we haven't even hit that critical point in 2027 where the emotional center becomes um, more focused on and becomes the point of evolution for all of us. So we're just getting to it, right? We're just getting to it. Um, let's see. There's a lot of people saying good morning out there. Kathy Miller, it's great to see you. Um, let's see that Sylvester, hello to you. These energies got me feeling all types of emotions. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Christine Buckingham, automatic assault rifles being only in the military ban NRA lobbyists buying politicians votes. Lots and lots of things, right? There are lots of different solutions. You can't just bar gun lobbies though, right? If you're going to ban lobbying like that, then it's got to go to the pharmaceutical companies. It has to go to the insurance companies. It has to go to all of them in some way, shape, or form. I think that's an interesting thing for us to look at. Um, Londa, my question is, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. What is it about May? Is there more energies that activate people's mental issues? Well, May has been a very hectic month for all of us this year because it is now the place where the eclipses, the eclipse patterns were occurring. And May being, you know, um, a good chunk of it anyway, Taurus energy and the eclipses now across Taurus and Scorpio. So there's that activation that goes on. But there is something about May. Um, what was I reading one day? There was something about most of uh, uh, the uh, uptick in asteroid hits or meteor showers or media or meteor meteoric um, activity increases in the month of May. And it might have something to do with where the earth is and her relationship to the sun. Um, it could be, you know, that, that particular cross quarter between um, winter and spring or in the spring, it would be Beltane, I guess, around that time. So it's the halfway point between spring and summer um, brings us to a critical point. There's a lot of different things, but for sure, this May has been this way because of the focus of the North Node being in Taurus, South Node in Scorpio. And the call here for the nodes moving through Taurus is for us to become more simple to become more simplified in our, our life. We've built up this really complex society. What if people, the people that are having mental issues, what if they're reacting instead of responding to the complexity of the world? And also there's a, a sense, I, I know you guys have to be feeling this too, of powerlessness when things go wrong. Like, um, what was it just the other day I was, oh, uh, something, something happened to my Twitter feed and I, I'm not a big Twitter user, but it was annoying that I wanted to get this fixed and there's no one to call. There's no one that you can reach out to maybe uh, a friend that's a Twitter user or something like that, but there aren't any places anymore. It's getting less and less where you can actually contact an expert or someone who knows how to help you. And a lot of it then is left to your own devices to do a search, to go through uh, different conf or uh, 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 conversation lines to see if you can find information. What do they call them? Forums or um, uh, things like if you have a Microsoft problem. I've had a continuing Microsoft problem and I can't get to anybody. And it's so annoying, right? And it makes us feel powerless to do anything. And I think that's a symbol of our society or our culture being so complex that a simple thing like reaching out for help is not, we're not capable of doing it, right? We can't do it. We, I mean, I could go on and on. Don't get me on my soapbox about all of this, but you know, we have, there's a lot of things that I think we need to look at and don't forget the USA is in their Pluto return. So this country is in its very first Pluto return. There are a lot of symbolic things happening in this country that hearken us back to the very beginning of the country, 
right? So back to 1776. And even just before that, you know, what were the steps that led up to the Revolutionary War? And I think we're seeing a bit of that now. The things that are, they're not exact, but there are echoes. So for us here in the U.S., there's a lot of that happening that makes us feel a little bit like, well, like, what can we do? <laughs> what can we do? Are we, you know, heading to another civil war, another uh, revolution? I think we're already in a revolution. But what is that taking us to? Is it a nonsensical revolution? Is it revolution just for the sake of, of revolution? Is it fighting just for the sake of fighting? Or is there a purpose? And of course, I would love to say there's a purpose. I don't know what that is exactly yet. I would just say it's part of the evolving consciousness on the planet. And we are here at this very crucial time or this critical time in our history as humans on the planet when we can either seek to destroy it, which we could, we could destroy ourselves in the process. We're well on our way to being able to do that. Uh, we could do that. And or we are choosing to be more in our divine selves, which is where we have love and tolerance, acceptance and compassion and empathy and um love, 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 and more love, right? So our choices are that we either buy into all of that revolutionary energy and make it um, be the expression of the ugliness of it, or we get to move over to the other side, which is, yeah, those things are happening, but how can we use it as a way to bring more love into the world? Our choices, right? So it's always about choice. We always have a choice, even if we feel like we're powerless. So that was a long way of answering that question for you, Londa. It is May just has right now, especially a lot of energy attached to it. And from an astronomical point of view, it is also an activating point in the sky and all of that. And I'm sure we can look more to see, you know, what more is out there. Michelle Good, good morning to you. Metal is ruled by Mars. Indeed, Susie, you're absolutely right. Mental illness seems rampant, Debbie says. Exactly. So I want to, I, I, this is, this is part of the problem, Debbie. So um, a lot of our family members, you know, are still, still struggling with the death of Brian back in July. And some of them have really reached out to try to get counseling. And um, one of my granddaughters just had an issue around, which we think was triggered, you know, with Brian and a couple of other things that are going on in her life. And my daughter spent two hours on the phone looking for counselors. None of them in our area were accepting new clients. And their suggestion was call back in two months. And even the places that usually take in new clients when the uh, more established practices can't are not taking new clients. And finally, she reached out to a, a counselor I was talking to that was in Spokane, and at least they offered to put her on a wait list. That's the insanity of what's going on. And if you have, I, I don't know if it's that there are not enough counselors out there, if there are more people that are out there seeking help, I don't know exactly what it is, but I can tell you that even if there is someone who's in a desperate position uh, right now, there's no help to be found. And that's, that's alarming. That's an alarming trend. So I really don't know what we can do about that. Train more counselors. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who are looking for uh, mental health help that will accept their insurance. And there are a lot of mental health agencies out there who do not accept insurances. And that's a problem too. So, and then to have to pay for your own counseling is quite pricey. Each one of my sessions was $180. $180. Insanity, right? And, you know, I was in a position that my insurance at least paid for part of that. A lot of people out there, number one, their insurance won't pay for it. And then they can't pay for it themselves. So they don't get the help they need. Big problem. 
So if if we are making it so that the people reaching out for help can't get help because there's not enough help out there, and then the others that are reaching out for help that really need it can't get it because of the first problem, but also they can't afford it, it's a big issue. So it just goes again, round and around. It's systemic. We're going to have to make some other kinds of choices in order to make that more available to people. And um, it, it is, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. But what can we do, right? We can help one another, right? I'm, I'm kind of thinking that there are so many people out there who are alternative healers that could help you know, from my point of view as an astrologer, I can help, right? I can help you, but I can't bill in your insurance because they're going to not accept that. And um, I can do, I, I can't even bill myself out there as a counselor or a therapist. So the, the, there are people out there that can help. There, there are lots of people out there that do various types of alternative therapies that could be very useful and beneficial to people. But again, you know, we are caught up in a society that, you know, has got that logical brain that says only these certain ways can treat certain conditions. And we're not going to pay for you to have any other kinds of, of therapies done. So again, we sort of lock ourselves up into old patterns. And we know those old patterns suck. <laughs> they suck right? It sucks to have to tell, turn people away because you don't have enough space in your calendar. Um, it is. It's the crux of the matter that it's money, Christine. It's money seems to be the priority. And yep, you know, it is just one of those things that we have to work through. And I saw Tom out there. Tom, 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 it's good to see you. Uh, when does this USA Pluto return end, Debbie asks, and can hardly wait for it to end, not until next year next year. And even then, you know, the, the, the nature of Pluto is to continue the, the degeneration. We're in the degenerative part. And that's the most difficult part, right? As we see everything crashing down around us, or we see things falling apart, we see our services not able to be, um, uh, at the same level that they used to be. I notice it everywhere, everywhere that things that there's something rotten in the way that our systems have been set up, that they can't stand the test of time. And Pluto sort of brings the focus to all of those things. And then process of death, right? It, Pluto is about death, bringing that death to something in order to make room for something to be rebirthed. So if we looked back at, you know, the beginnings of the United States, um, what was happening was the whole idea of being beholding to a king that is across the ocean and paying taxes on to a, a king who had really no clue about what was happening in the nation and uh, how that triggered this need for freedom. And then, of course, there was the whole religious freedom. There was a lot of, of issues that uh, birthed this nation and finally brought it to that crescendo point where we birthed something new. But now what was birthed new is also having all of its weaknesses exposed, right? All of the greed of that, that kind of free society and capitalism rots, right? And some of the, um, the, the, the policies that are enacted that aren't supporting that freedom, that liberty, et cetera. So we're struggling, right? This is the, this is the time of the most crucial time of a Pluto return that is really designed to break us down and break down, expose the weaknesses and throw them over so that something new can be birthed. But the new birthing process is almost as slow as the the death process because think about how much we dig in and try to prop up a system that is no longer working right and how long is it has it been that we've been dealing with gun violence for example and i don't know that there's been any solutions to it any you know solutions that make sense and 
that has been a very long process. And I think this will continue to be a long process even after the last exact con, uh, return of Pluto to Pluto in the USA chart. So we may be looking at another 10 to 15 years before we really can see what has come out of this time that we're in. So just prepare yourself. It's not like it's going to happen tomorrow. Pluto doesn't do that. Mars does that. Mars causes action in the moment. Pluto is like that insistent pressure that is on us to do something. Um, and it starts with the beginnings of the of exposing the rot, exposing the, the part that isn't sustainable anymore. So, and <laughs> that's just the process, right? It takes time. Next year, you know, we do have Pluto moving in kind of stepping his toe into Aquarius, and that will change up some energy, right? Aquarius is future oriented, but where Pluto is right now, he's really holding us to the past. He's showing us the, the wrongs of the past and preparing us to be able to move forward into a new future, a new humanitarian, more humanitarian future, one that makes sense, that has innovation and new policies, new, new potentials. Um, but then he moves backward into a, to Capricorn again, and it won't be until actually, let's see, that next year's 2023, it'll be 2024 before I think we really get some relief, maybe even 2025 before we start to feel some relief over the things that have been happening um, in this nation for a while. But also, it, you know, what happens here is, isn't happening in a vacuum. It's also happening in other places around the world. Uh, it's just not the same mechanism, right? So it's it's a process of change, change, change. So again, long way of answering that question, Debbie. Uh, Asa, good to see you. It's so good to see you this morning. I hope you're feeling better. Um, let's see, going down to the bottom here, uh, out with the old Piscean age, patriarchy, duality, and in with the new Aquarian age, divine feminine, triality. I love that. Natasha, good morning. I also try to keep my prices down to support the moments. Uh, isn't Mars and Gemini in the Sibley chart of America? Yes. Well, yes. And Uranus moves into Gemini next year or in two years, 2024. So that gives me prickles going down my back, right? Prickles, prickles, prickles. Uranus was in Gemini during the Revolutionary War. Uranus was in Gemini during the Civil War. Uranus was in Gemini during World War One, I, I believe it was, World War Two, maybe. So we have history with Uranus and Gemini in this country of war, right? Now, that doesn't mean we have to have another war. It doesn't mean that at all. Um, maybe we could learn to solve problems without that. Wouldn't that be amazing, right? Let's put that intention out there, that we learn to solve our problems peacefully and with diplomacy and creating win-wins instead of win-lose or lose-lose. Let's just put that out there. Okay. Um, so, all right. Um, Dor Erica says, how is the Aquarian age, the divine feminine, considering it is a masculine energy? Uh, I, I'm not, I think what Tom was referring to wasn't necessarily about the age of Aquarius, but the idea that the divine feminine is resurging, right? There's a uh, a movement and has been for as long as I can remember for the divine feminine to take her rightful place in balance with the divine masculine, not overtaking the divine masculine this time, right? We've had matriarchy, then we've had patriarchy, and now it's time to have whatever we can call it, right? Where synarchy, right? Synarchy, where um, there's a, a, a benefit, you know, each side pooling to their strengths and bringing their strengths to the table rather than one dominating the other. So that's what I think he's talking about. Not, not necessarily the age of Aquarius per se as being feminine. It's the age of Aquarius being full of possibilities, the possibilities for humanity, the possibilities for that innovation to see things from a more, uh, from a more like long, taking the long view, looking out at the future and what can we do now to create sustainability for the future? So I hope that answers that question, uh, Erica. And okay, there we go. Now let's 
talk about astrology, shall we? Um, today, of course, we have the whole Venus uh, squaring Pluto. Venus is at 28-something Aries and Pluto 28-something Capricorn. And what we have there is an energy of tension, right, that causes us to move towards solutions. So while squares typically get the bad rap in astrology, right, <laughs> usually we see a square coming and we're like, oh, close the curtains, stay away from people. But it creates the um, the energy, the scritchiness, the um uh, the 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 need to do something right so it pushes us in some ways the tension we want to break that tension so the squares actually propel us to do something right to make a change in the case of venus and pluto it's about transforming our relationships right and that can be our relationships with our significant others uh with our family or friends um, our relationship to finances, to banking, and all of that, the relationship to ourselves as it relates to values, right? How we value ourselves and how we value uh, or what we value in and in the world. So it can be from a tension that we've been feeling, a block maybe that we've been encountering, but the tension causes us to go out to find the answer, to find the solution. So again, squares get that bad rap, but without squares, then we can become kind of lazy, right? The trines and the sextiles aren't really providing us with the need to go out and change. It's providing us with the gifts and talents that will support that change. But we really need the squares to propel us out there, to make us do something, to change or to, to go forward in some way. Then on Saturday, we have Venus moving into Taurus, and I love this. Venus in Taurus is in her home realm. She's sensual here. She's enjoying relationships here. She is in a place of heightened value of herself and of others. The value here might be that of love over hate, right? Tolerance over um, division uh, or acceptance over um, division. And in this case, then it makes Venus in a very empowered position. At the same time, Mars is in a very empowered position. So we have two inner planets in signs that they rule, and that gives them a lot of ability to uh, do their work. And when you have both Mars and Venus together, it, or Mars and Venus in their respective signs of rulership, it allows us a lot of creativity a lot of ability to express ourselves, right? To express the highest and best, to do things, to take steps that are more easily viewed by us. Like we can see, like, where do we need to go? What do we need to do? It soothes a lot of wounds in, in this case, right? Uh, again, that doesn't happen until tomorrow, but she Venus today is at the 29th, -ish, 28th, 29th degree, um, of, of Aries. So we, we also have, you know, this Aries energy. So Venus right now in the same sign, uh, that Mars is in at opposite ends, right? So we have something, you know, a quality of, of frustration, of anger, of, of the need for action, of dynamism that is, that Venus is carrying with her into Taurus. But we have to remember Taurus is a sign that slows things down somewhat, right? It's more practical. It is more, um, it, it has a slower role than what Venus in Aries has had. So maybe we can consider now the ways in which we could love one another more, that we could bring more love to the planet, more peace to the planet. But as well, Venus here in her own sign brings out artistry, she brings out creativity, the joy of simple things, right? The simple things, the simple life. So for the next few weeks, while she's in her own sign, you know, seek ways in which you can bring peace to your own life. What might you let go of that could return your life to more peacefulness, to more beauty, right? To more focus on nature, I, I always think it's a great time when Venus is in her home sign to get out into your garden. And for most of us, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, 
you know, we're moving into summer. It's time for uh, things to start, you know, really blossoming. And, and so I'm looking forward to that, that kind of energy, but also, you know, being together more with the people that you love, right? As we go into our summer months, we become more social, we become more outwardly focused. So we have the potential to heal some of the things that have been happening over the last several weeks. Um, as well, tomorrow, the moon is going to come into a conjunction with Uranus in Taurus. The moon will also be in Taurus. And so moon and Venus together, the two feminine planets in a feminine sign. So we have a lot of potential for that feminine expression of energy to come up, the nurturing, the loving, the, um, the more peaceful, maybe the more contemplative energies coming here. As well, tomorrow, the sun and the earth change gates. For this week, they've been at the 20 and the 34, which has created the, the archetype of the manifesting generator, where we have all of this energy that's been surging through us, making it possible for us to, you know, almost have this superhuman power to get things done to, you know, be multitasking and so forth. Now, some of you, my projectors, my uh, manifestors and my uh, reflectors, you might be feeling a little bit ragged about now, right? You might be feeling a little bit tired, fatigued, because all of this energy has been running through your sacrals, which are normally open, meaning you don't normally have access to all of this energy. So for you guys, you might need a rest this weekend, uh, just to take the time out away from all of that busy, busy energy. But the sun is moving into the gate 16. And this is where the new moon is also going to be on Monday. So Monday's new moon in Gemini is occurring at the gate 16, which uh, sits on the throat center, right? So the throat center being the gearbox, the action, the point where we want to get energy from the action centers up to the throat so it can be made manifest or communicated down from the head centers where it can also be shared with the world. But the gate 16 speaks with the voice of enthusiasm. It's a gate that in quantum human design is called zest. And I think it is, uh, it's a good word. I think enthusiasm to me is probably the best word for the energy that comes through that gate because it has a sort of contagious force to it. So when you get excited and you're really exuberant about whatever it is, you know, when you're uh, excited about something, how it catches on to the people around you. And that's what this gate does. The, the enthusiasm is contagious. The voice that comes from that enthusiasm is contagious. And I think on the other side, sometimes we can become very excited, overly excited even about what it is that we want to do or what it is that we see that could be, but we're not fully prepared to do it yet. And the earth at the gate nine, which is on the root center, is pressuring us even to get prepared for something, get prepared so that that energy can move from there, from the, excuse me, the nine is on the sacral, so we can get up to the throat energy and actually out to the world. But without preparation, it all goes nowhere right? It all goes nowhere. So while we want to have that enthusiasm and that enthusiastic voice to something, we also have to know that we have to be prepared to be able to use it. So the lesson is about tempering our excitement until we're fully prepared for it, right? And then in the shadow of this gate energy, we have leaping without looking or going off half cocked. That's another way we could look at that. Or on the other end, holding back, even though we know we're prepared, even though we've done a lot of the back work to get ready, we have a feeling of not being ready. So we hold back so we can, you know, we have the energy of the shadow at both ends, either leaping without being prepared or holding ourselves back when we know darn well we're fully prepared. So that's our shadow in the mastery of the gate eight of uh, 16 on the throat center, it is about having the courage to trust your gut, trust your intuition, trust your authority, even if it's emotional, to act even if the how isn't clear, 
right? So if you've done everything that you can do to get prepared, have the courage to take the next step, even if the journey isn't completely outlined. Because remember, our job is the what and getting prepared to express the what. The how is the nature of the universe. That gets revealed to us step by step sometimes, right? So we, we've got the first step in front of us. Let's take it, right? And then with full faith that the next steps will appear when we are ready for that next step, right? You can't run before you can walk, right? We learned that as infants, right? You got to crawl, then you walk, then you run, right? Trying to do the one before the other is always going to lead to a tumble. It's always going to lead to a disaster, potential disaster. Um, now, then the gate nine, where the earth is. So during the new moon, the sun and the moon are in a conjunction, right? They're sitting at the same gate. They're sitting at the same degree of the zodiac, which, by the way, happens to be the ninth degree of Gemini. And the gate nine is activated by the earth during that period of time. So kind of in an opposition, the earth sits in opposition to the sun and the moon during the new moon. So we still have something that we have to work through in order to get to the highest and best of the intentions that we set with that new moon. And what we need is focus. The gate nine is about focus. And it's either focused or not focused. It has a bit of an ADD or ADHD potential to it. A lot of times when people come to me and they tell me, and before we do their uh, human design readings, they're telling me I have ADD, right? Or ADHD. And I'm sitting there, you know, not saying anything yet because I want to be able to reveal to them that it's a part of their nature. It's kind of an unbalanced energy. It's not necessarily chemical or physical. It's more about living in alignment with oneself, right? So nine can bring up that ADD or that ADHD expression. And it can be focused or not, right? It could be focused on something or it can be trying to focus on everything. It can be sort of that obsession energy where we're just, we, we take something that's happened or we take a fact or we take a, a subject and we just are digging, digging, digging deeper and deeper into it. And by doing that, it's not that that's wrong, but we might miss the bigger picture, right? So we're focused so much on a detail that we fail to see the bigger picture. So that's a part of the problem with this gate. We have to make sure that one that we're not focused so tightly on one thing that we fail to see the bigger picture or that we're so focused on everything that we fail to see a detail that we missed, right? So we have both potentials during this period of time. So we want to see the forest and the trees. We don't want to we don't want to just see the forest. We don't want to just see the individual trees. We want to be able to see it all. So that's a part of this too. And we can get stuck going down a rabbit hole because we're focusing too much on one thing, not seeing the bigger picture. Like for instance, we could just use this thing that happened in the US. We always seem to focus directly immediately on gun control. And that takes us down a rabbit hole of fighting one another over the right to bear arms and all of that, right? We go down a rabbit hole and what happens? nothing comes of it. No solutions come, right? Because we're so focused on this one thing. But if we could step back and see the bigger picture at work here, right? The bigger picture might be mental health, might be economic. It might be any number of things, maybe no support for the people that are involved in the shooting, the, the shooter. Um, the ease of which people can get guns it can be so many different things, but we just focus on the one thing. So we get tunnel visioned into it. You know, you, you know what you're going to hear the minute there's a shooting in the U S it's all going to be about guns. It's not going to be about the bigger voice that might be going on. So this gate tempts us to do that, to get down that rabbit hole. So we need to step out of the rabbit hole and see the bigger picture. And in the shadow of this gate nine, what we might also be feeling is pressure. And the pressure, because if we have energy on the root center pushing up to the sacral at the gate nine, we may feel very pressured to place our focus on something, anything, or everything, right? So we might find ourselves overwhelmed because, or confused because we're, we don't know what to put our focus on, right? We can get, there's just too many things we can focus on. 
right? It would be really good to uh, form some kind of committee whose sole purpose is to solve this problem. You focus on the guns, you focus on mental health, you focus on the issues economically that might cause something like this. Bring the conversation together and solutions and do something that's more holistic, right? That would be something very obvious that, that we could do to solve that particular problem or to find some new pathway with that particular problem. But because we might get into a position of having too many choices, too many ideas, not knowing what to focus on first, that we can get confused. And what do we do when we are confused or overwhelmed? We shut down. We shut down. So to avoid shutdown, we need to be able to see the forest and the trees. We need to see the big picture and be able to learn to prioritize where we need to place our focus. Right. Another part of the focus might be instituting more security at schools. I mean, I don't know. Right. But people have ideas and how many people I, I would love to see a citizenry committee, not just governmental types, because, you know, they're all beholden to money in some way. They have, you know, agendas. Let's do a citizenry committee that brings their solutions to the government and, and demands commands action right i would say that's a great way to solve the problem it creates a thinking outside of the box kind of solution where we could do that and all of this is also you know this is the lead up that i'm bringing you to this new moon which really the new moon has no connections the moon and the sun together aren't connecting to other planets you know usually i'm bringing this information to you and there's a lot of different connections that the sun and moon are going to make right most notably over the last several months those connections have been to uranus or to saturn and the moon and the sun during this new moon on monday do not make those connections they're kind of out there alone at nine degrees ish but that doesn't mean there isn't anything going on because there is a host of other energies that are happening um with uh, that, that lead up to this new moon, right? The new moon is the, the biggest lead up, I think, to the new moon is Mars conjuncting Jupiter on Sunday. And I, I mean, what a potentially benevolent condition that brings us to, right? Mars, action, the warrior energy, meeting up with the expansiveness of Jupiter. And one of the things that it makes me think of is about growing in our abundant energy, right? Bringing action to bring more abundance to, and, and it's not just money focus, abundant solutions, abundant opportunities, abundant fill in the blank, right? It's abundant energy. It is also energy about taking an initiative. So along with the new moon, we have Mars and Jupiter in this conjunction, by the way, at the new moon, they're about a degree off, but that's still within, well within orb, meaning that they're still very tightly in this relationship. And the potential is for us to bring a sense of spirit, of divinity to um, everything that we're doing, to order, divine order, trust, surrender. Remember, this is all, these guys are, well, we didn't talk about it yet, but these two, Mars and Jupiter, are at the gate 25, which sits on the identity center. The identity center is the center for love and direction. So they're coming together might symbolize a new direction, right? A new opportunity to move in a new direction. It's pretty powerful. And to move, uh, to trust that what's happening is in divine right order, right? Divine order. And then to also look to spirit for the source of our direction right? The identity center, love and direction. Gate 25 called the gate of the love of spirit. It's a love gate. And it's the love gate that we have in unconditional connection to source, right? To God, whatever you want to call that. So Mars and Jupiter are bringing us the full potential of being able to see things from a higher perspective. That's kind of like seeing it from outside of the box but also to bring some new connection to it and trusting in the divine order of all things. And in the gate 25, we have that. And it's in the sixth 
line of gate 25, which is the role model line. So maybe we can begin by modeling that connection, having faith and trusting that even though these ugly things are happening out there, that everything is moving in the right direction, right? That we just have faith that is leading us to something. Having courage and faith in your own self as well, that you know, that your soul knows what direction to move you in, right? We gotta have that, we gotta have that. Uh, so Mars and Jupiter, the lead up to that new moon, but that new moon is also, um, has no direct aspects, but it does have its ruler. The new moon is in Gemini. Its ruler, Mercury, is also making some connections. And that's an important thing for us to look at. We can look at the ruling planet, uh, Mercury, and we can see what is going on with Mercury and get some other details about what the new moon might be bringing to us. And right now, the new moon, I mean, excuse me, Mercury is uh, in retrograde at 26 degrees, 17 minutes of Taurus. He is very slow right now, right? He's coming to the end of his retrograde. Just a few days after the new moon, that planet is going to turn direct. He's going to station and turn direct. And so looking at, well, what is he bringing us to? Because remember, this is taking us back to a time several weeks back where uh, it was what, around April 20th? No. First week of May, when we were in the retrograde shadow zone. So before the retrograde, what was happening? What was happening at that period of time? So we might have a reverb of that during this new moon. Mercury in retrograde will also be squaring Saturn at the new moon. That has a karmic feeling to it. It at, Anytime we have retrograde, right, we're taking, it's taking us backwards. It's, it's showing us something in the past, maybe that, that maybe we moved too, too quickly through the first pass of the planet and then it slows down back, go got backs over the same energy. Maybe we remember something we'd forgotten or something dawns on us or something happens that recalls the, you know, the correct energy to us. And then he moves forward again, right? So at this point, the Mer that Mercury is in retrograde to Saturn, it has that feel of karma. Like, what do we have to balance? What do we have to bring to balance? It also can restrict our thinking in some way. It brings things more narrowed. It has, uh, we could also be narrowing our communication, the words that we say. It can also narrow, it could have an impact on travel. And here we have a big weekend in the USA of travel, right? So expect delays perhaps, or expect problems along the way. Maybe even expect people to be a little bit introspective. Maybe they're not quite you know, all there in the car as they're driving along and they fail to see the light turned red or, or green and, you know, whatever, those kinds of travel, you know, annoyances that happen. We also have then coming from Mars and Jupiter, this idea of, of optimism, right? That, that kind of embraces optimism. And then we have Mercury retrograde square Saturn that is more pessimistic, right? So we might be feeling a little more pessimistic about the future. Saturn is in Aquarius, the sign of the future. But don't allow that to take you into pessimism, right? It might look pessimistic out there, like same thing, new day, right? Same thing, new day. But maybe it can be something more optimistic as, hmm, what if we did something different? What if we changed up the, the game? So narrow-mindedness is a part of this. Uh, misunderstandings, definitely possible with uh, this new moon, um, even if it's a misunderstanding of the self, right? I misunderstood my motivation. Uh, I mistakenly thought this is who I was, but I'm really this, and I just forgot that. Um, but also a feeling of not being able to gain traction in whatever it is that you want to do, kind of that spinning our wheels kind of feeling as a part of this new moon patience is going to be necessary. I'm, I'm hands down thinking patience is going to be our friend and maybe stepping back, you know, stepping, having patience to step back and look back in and see the bigger picture, all of that. 
Um, I also like to share the Sabian symbol with everybody about uh, what's happening. The Sabian symbol from that I use is from the Dane Rudyard uh, astrological mandala. And this one, I'm going to read to you a little bit of it. But it's interesting because the symbol is uh, an airplane performing a nosedive. An airplane performing a nosedive. Not an airplane falling out of the sky. So we get a sense about the, the symbol of this degree is a little bit of a challenge, like we're challenging, like humans challenging nature or the laws of nature, right? Gravity, gravity. If you're purposefully nose diving, then at some point you're going to have to, uh, to um, overcome the force of gravity to be able to pull up out of that, right? So we're kind of looking at some of the forces that are at play that keep us in um, a nosedive, but knowing that we also have the power to pull out of that nosedive, right? So even at the worst, when it looks the worst and everything seems so doom and gloomy, that we have the ability, you know, mind over matter, uh, even man versus nature, right? To be able to do, to exert some some power to change, right? To bring change. So uh, let's see. So this is would be uh, a superior ability to challenge nature and play with danger. Through the controlled use of mental powers, man is able to challenge the most basic force in nature, gravitation. He enjoys playing with it as a lion tamer with his violent animals. But what he challenges is within himself, as well as outside. Gravitation is the universal binding force of the material world. By challenging it, man prepares himself to pierce beyond the physical and to reach higher realms of existence. He may lose the struggle, but that prospect makes the effort more exciting. He might gain immortality. Uh, the symbol for this it has a strong sense of finality. No possibility of half measures exist. Man is committed irrevocably to success or failure, at least as conscious and self-reliant, as a conscious and self-reliant mind. The alternatives are clear cut. One may describe it as mind over matter or as man's will against the fate that gravitation so aptly symbolizes. So that's our degree of this moon. And with Mercury sitting at Saturn, are we all too, is it all too easy for us to just keep going the path that we've always gone instead of stepping out into something new? That's the question, right? If we don't step out and try something new, we'll never know whether we could have done something new, right? So we have to, we have to really face that within ourselves, but also face that within our humanity, right? That how stuck are we? And are we stuck by our own uh, inability to use courage to think outside of the box? Or are we allowing circumstances to hold us back by not seeing the bigger picture, the bigger potential? So wow, 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 we have a lot to think about as we move on through the weekend uh, and preparing for the new moon. By the way, the new moon, did I even check the time? Uh, let's see here. Do I still have that up? The, no, the time is 7.30 a.m. in Washington, D.C., uh, so th that would be East Coast time and 4.30 a.m. Pacific time, and that makes it 11.30 p.m. for universal time. So basically, we are all pretty much all of us experiencing it on the same day, um, but not necessarily uh, time zones on the other side of the nation might, you know, or in the other side of the world are experiencing it a day ahead of us. So that's it for me today. Um, please do me a favor. And if you are on Facebook, hit the like button. If you are on YouTube, please hit the uh, thumbs up button. And if you haven't yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do so and share the video with your friends, your family, your social networks. I would appreciate that. And take care this weekend. Have a very, very good time. Um, but allow yourself, you know, patience and much love. I will see you all. Oh, by the way, I won't see you on Monday, most likely. But on Wednesday, Wednesday is June 1st. Woo, June. 
Um, on June 1st, I will be with uh, Anea on, or uh, Annette McCoy on Angel Heart Radio. And we are going to dive into the month of June and talk a bit about how the energy of the throat center in human design uh, helps us get through this next month. And that'll be at 5 p.m. Pacific time, so 8 p.m. East Coast time. So that'll be Wednesday. And then, of course, I'll be back on my regular schedule next Friday. That's it for me, guys. Take care. Much love to everybody. See you next week. Bye.